welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel. And with me today, I have none other than my Ignatius Nellipot. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ignatius Nellipot. Uh-huh. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, I didn't know what Ignatius meant until I looked it up, but I was like, okay, okay it's perfect. <laughs> Possessing qualities usually attributed to a reptilian creature known as an iguana. <laughs> Often applied to human beings resembling such creatures. So you're, call, you're calling me uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what be, that's what Alex Jones would say, that she's a reptilian and all shit. What's it called? Uh, v, the, v, the series where alien reptilian <clears throat> creatures was taking over the planet and they were wearing like human skins and shit like that. It's like a classic like, 80s TV show. But they're Nelly Potts. Nelly Potts. So what's the Nelly Pot part? One who walks barefoot. <laughs> I do like walking barefoot. Uh-huh. I honestly do. I don't mind doing it outside for like a little bit, but I don't I don't I really don't mind it. Mm. So I'm a reptilian I'm a barefoot walking reptilian. Yep. I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> Hi everybody's Mark Salcedo. <laughs> Kelsey has a bit of a cough. Please don't mind her. I'm sorry. This happens like every other episode, it seems like. Nah, it's all good. <laughs> Um, well, you'll be happy to know it is allergies. Woo. Woo. Um, <clears throat> this week we are going to go through our usual social media plugs. <laughs> you always seem to like just forget it. And you're like, oh, let me, let me give out the plugs. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the real appeal. That's too easy and real. <clears throat> TheRealAppeal at gmail.com is where you can email us. Um, if you would like to review us on iTunes, uh, thank you. We appreciate it. No, no, no. Um, your mm. friend who did already. Oh, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Ivan. Yeah. You know what? Check this out. If you guys, <laughs> um, if you guys drop a review, I'll read it. I'll read it on I'll read it on the podcast because some of the, there there are a few and they're actually they're actually pretty funny. But yeah, drop us drop us a five star review. We'll definitely read it. I'm still in this idea from the Nerdpocalypse. Yeah, but yeah. I'll I'll totally I'll totally do it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, and uh, we're actually going to do the news this week. Um, we're going to do our recent review of Birds of Prey. Can't wait for that one. Um, <clears throat> variety time this week is. Mark's trip aboard the Starship Enterprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you would definitely fit in on the Starship Enterprise. You know, being you... that you're Ignatius and all. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I wonder what I would be. <coughs> Let me see. I don't know. What, would I be engineer or tactical? I think you'd be engineer. I probably would be on engineer. I would like to work with LaForge. LaForge, he, he got some jokes on it. But I like, I like data. But Data, no, you know what? But Data also does, like, engineering, too. Yeah, but, like, he's he's on the main deck. You know, like... Where not, you don't want to be. What do you mean where, where I don't want to be? hmm Well, LaForge is in the engineering room. <clears throat> so, maybe I'll go with LaForge. I wouldn't mind, like, hanging out with... No, I wouldn't hang out with Riker. Riker would be, like, kind of a stick in the mud once in a while. I'd be like, come on, dude. Fucking have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, I, I know that was, like, a... 
tangent. But what's uh, what's the geriatric cinematic for this week? Uh, set it off from 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I also can't wait to talk about that one. What was the connection? I forgot. It's uh, liber- women's liberation through violence, right? Yep. All right. Yeah, that's the connection for this uh, <coughs> week's episode. Um, so let's get into the news. Of course, we had the Oscars on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, much more exciting than they were last year. Yo. Except, you know, I still made, or we, we actually did, because you helped me this time, made jalapeno poppers. Oh, yeah. I, that's going to be, a, <laughs> that's going to be a ritual now. Like, last year we made, at last year's Oscars, we made, because jala- we, yeah, we're totally at the Oscars, we made um, jalapeno poppers during our two-person viewing party <laughs> yeah and i did not wear gloves yeah and that shit was like burning your fingers oh and that's no because because i was like oh you're gonna help me right you're like yeah i'll help you and then of course someone annoyed the shit out of you and you were <sighs> so distracted the whole time that you didn't end up helping me. that was a big fight over on facebook that was a, <laughs> jesus christ uh, and my hands burned for like five days yeah they were so uncomfortable they were keeping me awake at night so we learned that Kelsey learned that lesson. <clears throat> we were wearing plastic gloves um, or protective like gloves. lunch ladies. Yeah, lunch lady gloves, making the jalapeno poppers. But um, yeah, the Oscars was this uh, was this past Sunday. Whew. Um, who I saw this on Twitter. Somebody called the Oscars the Super Bowl of like film nerds. Yeah, which is like yeah, it's about right. It's it's our it's our Super Bowl. Yeah, and. Uh, I know the ratings were low. I think they're at, at as lowest. It seems like every year the ratings are at as lowest. Yeah. But they were like at 32 million views or something like that. But um, I actually enjoyed the Oscars. Like there was a lot of, there was a lot of winners that I either predicted or people who like I wanted to win. Yeah. So um, you want to go down the list? We can kind of give our little input on, on our thoughts on it. Yeah. Um. Performance by an actor in a leading role nominees were Antonio Banderas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jonathan Price. Mm. Um, you, if you've listened to us talk about um, the Golden Globes or a review of a review of, of Joker, <laughs> Todd Phillips' Joker, or the BAFTAs, I think we went through some of those too. Yeah, I think we did go some of the BAFTAs. Yeah. Um, then you know what? I'm not going to go through what they were in. Just mm. to save time. But um, Joaquin Phoenix won uh, that one for Joker. Mm. Um, this was this was pretty much expected. Like Everybody was like, Joaquin Phoenix is going to win the Oscar. Yeah, and, and for the most part, like he gave a speech, too. That was a really weird speech. <laughs> it was like kind of like a rant. And at one point, um, I saw somebody on Twitter said, or a question like, did Joaquin Phoenix, like, you know, like talk shit to us because we drink milk <laughs> it was yeah weird. it was kind of weird um i thought it wasn't all that weird though mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like hey this isn't a political platform mm-hmm. this isn't where you give your speeches i think that's bullshit yeah you're in film for that very reason mm. you make a lot of money and you have a lot of influence on fans and different things that's the perfect opportunity yeah. Um <coughs> to give so get the their political views or their yeah. views on life, yeah. Um for the most part his overarching message mm. 
was I'm really tired of everyone hating on each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm tired of people who want to, who want the world to be better, not actually doing anything about it. Yeah. Um, but he did get a little weird, like, like when he was talking about animals and like, you know, yeah. And taking their, taking the, the steers or the baby cows, cattles or whatever. And from their mothers (laughs) and, how like the mother's cries we interpreted it as something else, but the mother's actually crying because we're taking the cattle away. We're just like, what? Yeah, like there's other things that they could he could have talked about mm. that were way more important than that. But um, I thought it was really kind of heartbreaking at the end when he said that lyric from his brother. Oh yeah, River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the the lyric was some like. <coughs> Something about like running, running to be running towards being a hero using peace and love or something like that. It was something yeah. very touching. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know he loved his brother. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I would have liked to have seen what was Keanu Reeves, um, Keanu Reeves like his expression when Joaquin uh, Joaquin Phoenix said that because Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix were like really close. They were like really tight. Yeah. And and I believe. Johnny Depp and River Fiend were tight as well. I yeah, think. yeah, I think they were actually. Yeah, so, but like, well, surprisingly, there hasn't been really much talk about people complaining about, oh, I don't want politics at the Oscars and blah, 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 but, you know, all this kind of shit. But yet, <laughs> they'll watch the most genu- genuistic event of the year, and it's the Super Bowl. Yeah. That is like true. military as fuck. You yeah. Know, the commercials and stuff like that. Anyway. Um,. Performance by an actor in a supporting role. Uh, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. Um, And, of course, Brad Pitt won that for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of knew this was going to happen. Yeah, I mean. I would have preferred Joe Pesci, but, you know, I I think... (coughs) I think when we're talking about the Golden Globes, I said, like, oh, Brad Pitt won an award for being Brad Pitt. Well, he won an Oscar for being Brad Pitt. (laughs) Yeah. So that was pretty much it. Uh, performance by an actress in a leading role, Cynthia Erivo, Scarlett Johansson, Saoirse Ronan, Charlize Theron, and Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger won for Judy. Uh, deserving, I would have to say. I, I ended up checking out the movie... Uh, last week. Last week. It was, she was, it was actually good. It wasn't too bad, and she really like got into the role. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred Scarlett Johansson. I mean, yo, that was like... Acting. That was like real life acting. Yeah. So that was dope. But whatever. It's the Oscars. <laughs> uh, performance by an actress in a supporting role. Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Margot Robbie. Or Florence Pugh, Pugh, Pugh. <laughs> Laura Dern won that for Marriage Story. I actually wanted to see Scarlett Johansson win that one for Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. If I, I had wrote an article, a uh, predictions article for ScreenGeek.net, and in the article I said, um, Scarlett Johansson should win for best leading actress. If not, she should definitely win for like supporting leading actress because that role in Jojo Rabbit was really good. It was amazing. Yeah. I got, I mean, that was like a gut punch what happened to her character. It was. like it, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the writing, but she plays with such like emotion mm. um and it's believable emotion it's not overacting so mm. um definitely 
I mean, I know people make fun of her for cultural appropriation and all that stuff. Yeah, because she can like play a tree if she <laughs> wants to, you know. Yeah, she could be Jupiter. Uh, one, one, one. Um, what's the word? Comparison I've heard Jojo Rabbit to was uh, "It's a Beautiful Life," and I can I can actually kind of see it. that's a really great film. That one, I don't know if that one for best. I think I might have won for best picture in the Oscars like well over like fifteen years ago, but that that, that story is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's actually a really great movie. But people are comparing that to it's a, <coughs> um, it's a beautiful life. What was it called? I think it was a beautiful life. Um, uh, best animated best animated feature film of the year would be, um, it was How to Train Your Dragon. I lost my body. Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. And Toy Story 4 won. You watched some of Missing Link with me, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, why is that... Why was that movie nominated? <laughs> that movie should not have been nominated at all. That movie felt like... If white people mm-hmm. made a film about the struggles of black people... That film could be compared in a way like how adults think they're so clever in making a children's <laughs> fucking film. Yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> I Lost My Body is really good. I That was my pick. Um, that's on Netflix right now. It's a French film. That is actually a really good film. It's about a severed hand who tries to find its body. And we follow like the life of the body. And like it's a story about... like destiny what happens if like life gives you a big bump and how do you overcome it and like disabilities and stuff disability and stuff like that it's actually own trauma surviving mm-hmm. trauma yeah i think that was a really good it was beautiful it was beautifully done it's 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 you know typical hand-drawn animation but it looks great yeah um achievement in directing the irishman joker 1917 once upon a time in hollywood parasite and parasite one I got shocked as shit. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho won for directing Parasite. I was shocked too because Quentin Tarantino always fucking wins, even though like I have my issues with the with the guy. Yeah, um, I thought <coughs> I thought 1917 was gonna win because that's just how Hollywood works. I thought so too. Yeah, and you know if if Sam Mendes won, I'd have been like, you know what, totally deserve it totally fucking deserves that award but when parasite won i was like okay like i mean because it's so funny we actually kind of put parasite out of our minds yeah because like kelsey and i we did a review of the movie and we like it we gave it a glowing review i mean it to me it's, it's probably really hard to pick anything out of it that's bad uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think right now on Rotten Tomato, it's maybe like at 93% or something like that. I might uh, it might be wrong. It might be 99%. <laughs> but it's just like, yo, how can you not like that? I actually take that back. There's one piece of shit, an asshole, like, a video I saw how, about how he hates the movie or whatever because it didn't, because it beat Joker, whatever. Um, But yeah, we had already kind of put in our minds like, all right, Bong Joon-ho is going to win the International Film Award, you know, and he does. And we're just like, okay, cool. Like, he, the Hollywood probably will not give him the director an award. And he won. And we're just like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, cool. He, it's not going to win Best Picture. And, you know, spoilers, but it does happen. But we're just like, what? 
Holy shit. So, yeah. But yeah, let's, let's, let's keep going. Let's, let's finish this up. Best motion picture of the year. Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Of course, Parasite won that one. All right. Once again, I thought maybe 1917 was going to win because <coughs> it's Hollywood. I, I, just, I just thought that was going to happen. Parasite won. And I flipped the fuck out. Mm. I was so excited that I actually texted my brother because he was watching it too. And he was just like, yo, are you fucking serious? And like, I mean, this, this, it, it's the first, it's the first non-English film to ever win the Best Picture Award. Yep. And this is like Bong Joon-ho's first time at the Oscars. Yeah. And he walked out with like, well, technically he walked out with four, but actuality he walked out with three. But yo, come on. Like, the dude walked out with three fucking Oscars. Yeah. I, phew, my only... My only gripe is that none of the cast was nominated for best acting. Like none of them. And yeah. that was phenomenal uh, acting. It's weird. It got best directing, best motion picture, best screenplay. Best, yeah, best screenplay, best yeah. international and not one of the cast members got anything. Mm. Nothing for none of the technical categories, none of it. Yeah, like none of the um none of the sound editing or mixing or yeah, or like score. the score. Uh, yeah, set design or anything like that. <laughs> like it didn't win any of the technical awards, which I thought 1917 was going to dominate that, but surprisingly, they didn't dominate that either. It was kind of a mixed bag on that in the technical area. Yeah. Um, adapted screenplay nominees: The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, The Two Popes. Jojo Rabbit won. And actually, I'm really happy about that because I'm. I was getting disappointed by the end because I'm like, Jojo Rabbit hasn't won any fucking thing. I know. We love that movie. And like like I said, Scar Jo should have gotten support, uh, Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it got adapted screenplay, um, Taika Waititi did such a great job on that. Yeah, he put a lot of heart in that story. <coughs> like... Um, uh, I remember when we saw the trailers, we were just like, this is going to be like a funny movie. But we didn't expect to like feel so many fucking emotions after watching that. Yeah. Um, he's, he is the first, I'm butchering this like Maojao or something like that. I forgot what, what nationality they were using to describe him. But he's like the first one of his race or people or whatever to like win that award. And hopefully he's not the last. Yeah. Uh, he did give this really beautiful speech. He said, for indigenous kids out there who want to create art, like, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it was a very beautiful thing for him to say. Yeah. Um, original screenplay, Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite, and Parasite won. Once again, he deserve it. Tell you the <laughs> truth, if, if Ryan Johnson had won for Knives Out, I would have been, been for it. If Noah uh, uh, Bomb Bombach had won, been totally for it. I would have I would have been fine with those two winning. Um, I've been following Ryan Johnson's career career for years. Um, Mare Story was such a great script. Um, <clears throat> but yo, Parasite winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, give the give the do all the awards, please, please. <laughs> yeah, because. Uh now that we're done announcing all of these awards, mm. how did he react? 
Uh, he said during um, when he won for best international feature film, he said, "Thank you. I'm ready to get drunk. Drink. I'm ready to drink tonight until next morning." <laughs> and I think he said that like a couple more times when he was coming up. He was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm really, I'm like done." Well, like, one yeah, well one time he's like, "Okay, I'm ready to drink." Yeah. And then the next time he's like, "Okay, I'm ready to drink tonight until next morning, I guess." You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, he said that. I only think only twice. Yeah, and um, <coughs> he gave this really heartfelt speech when he won the um, uh, best directing. He honored Martin Scorsese. He said the most. Per- uh, he said the most personal story is the most creative. And he goes, "That was from Martin Scorsese." And he gave props to Scorsese. He gave props to Tarantino, which I even have to give props to Tarantino because uh, Bong Joon-ho had said Tarantino would put my movies on his list. And everybody who follows Tarantino or even has a familiar idea of him, they know he's like a film fanatic. And Tarantino like will come out with a list like once a year of like, oh, these are movies you should like check out. And mm-hmm. Bong Joon-ho is normally on that list. Mm. So thanks to Tarantino, like Bong Joon-ho was really getting notoriety. I've been wa- I've been following Bong Joon-ho since like. Um, I think like Dies of a Murder was the film that got me hooked onto him. Yeah. So, yeah, to- it was great that he gave so much respect to the uh, to those directors. Um, and then when his co-writer Han Jin Won, uh, spoke while he was giving his accepting speech, his acceptance speech uh, for best original screenplay. Um, the audience was laughing because he was standing like off to the side, giggling and like he looked like he was like making eyes at a statue. Like mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, I love you!" Like yeah, it was so like fucking, in awe. It was so fucking adorable. <laughs> it was he was just like like that. And this is just this is just he's already won for international film and he's won for screenplay. He didn't think like the, what the next couple awards were going to be his, so he would have just been fine with that. Yeah. Um, and you know. Then there was stuff backstage that we didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, he told reporters through his translator, uh, I'm a very strange person. I just did what I've always done with great artists. It feels very, it still feels very surreal. I feel like something will hit me and I will wake up from this dream. And then he said in English, it's really fucking crazy. <laughs> that dude is. Oh, and he, he also. <laughs> Uh, when E.T. had spoke to him, he, because um, they were asking about where he came up with the idea for Parasite, he said, in English, because I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> they bleeped it out. But, like, just the fact he's like, because I'm a fucking weirdo, I'm just like, yo, dude, you my homie now. Like, you're yeah, not even, you're not even chill. That's where all the best stories come from are fucking weirdos. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, he's, and he was, like, super humble. I don't, okay. I don't know if he's being super humble about this. I think, well, maybe. Some of it's kind of like make me think he might be a little, he might have been a little jokingly being cocky and stuff. I don't think so. Um, uh, when, when, uh, for people who don't know, when they win awards, the statue that they're giving, it's not like actually their statue. It's just like a stand-in statue. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go in their back and their statue is waiting for them. And um, to make sure that nobody knows who's going to win before the announcement's made. They have the statue, it'll be like best director, and it'll be blank. And there's actually an engraver in the back who will engrave your name into the statue. So it's like, boom, right there. Mm. 
um, while this was happening, someone, I think it was like Vanity Fair had caught this or a Hollywood reporter, but they caught audio of him saying uh, to the engraver, he was very apologetic saying, I'm so sorry for all this. He said, hard work, too many. (laughs) (laughs) And he just like standing there with like his Oscars, just like, like lined up. And I'm just like, damn dude like fuck like god damn it you deserve that shit that makes me um kind of flash back to regina king last year and how she was so nervous oh yeah yeah her and uh olivia coleman was really fucking nervous when she won for best uh uh what was it actress mm-hmm. for the queen oh no it was what's the name of that movie that she did olivia coleman it's someone it's the one that we really like. Well, by Yon- Yolton Latimer. The favorite. The favorite. There you go. That was the name of the the movie. Um, but yeah, he was like, and it was great. Like they won for best picture. Um, they brought up everybody on stage for, for behind it. They brought in the producers, the directors, the writers, the cast. The stage was fucking filled, <laughs> and uh, the, and like one producer gave her speech, was saying thank you, and before the next producer came up, they like had dim down the lights and like cut to uh what's her name bridget fonda oh no jane, jane fonda. fonda jane fonda and everybody in the crowd was like no no like let them finish let yeah, them finish the speech wasn't even that long and they're like nope nope we're going over done yeah. like no that's the big fucking award and it won it broke records yeah yeah and it's funny because like normally by the time we get closer to the end of the oscars <laughs> everybody you you can tell with the people in the audience and even myself i'm just like all right i want this shit to end now well i've been watching this for like four hours I'm ready for be done. But everybody was crowd was like cheering. Tom Hanks, uh, Tom Hanks, Charlize Theron, and Margot Robbie were in the front, and they were just like, um, they were signaling like, to put they're, the lights no, up. No, they're like up, up, yeah, up. and they were like waving their arms, like, come on, yeah, you know, put the lights back up. Yeah, and they did that. It was it was a great moment. It's, I, I th- that's a great moment. That always <laughs> that always upsets me when like during award shows when um, certain people who have been really struggling are really striving to be on that stage and they get cut short. You know, like, uh, what's his name? Guillermo del Toro, last year, the Golden Globes, or was it been two years ago? No, it was no, last, last year. last year. Last year, the Golden Globes had, was bought, was being, like, uh, played off. And he was, like, after he got his award for directing, he was just, like, he's, like, hey, guys, like, come on, turn off the music. Like, I've been working at this company, I've been working at this business for, like, 22 years. Give me, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's, like, rightfully so. Like, the, the dude's been, like, trying to get there, and he finally, he finally did. I feel like... The actors and directors get more time on the stage than sound mixers and score. Yeah. Which is kind of shitty, too, because they wouldn't normally get recognition or no one would even know who they are. And they'll likely for still forget who they are even after. Yeah, yeah. One, um, <coughs> one, one, um, one uh, award winner, um, their names are escaping me right now. They are the people behind Hair Love. Um, which is a short animation about uh, black girl's hair. Um, it was it's really beautiful. Uh, it's called Hair Love, and directors are uh, Matthew A. Cherry and Bruce W. Smith. And uh, the people who got on the stage they won for best short animated film. And Matthew Cherry and Karen Rupert uh, Tolver Tol sorry Toliver Toliver sorry they won for that and it's a and this was a short that started on kickstarter mm-hmm. and it won an oscar for best short film uh Issa Rae does the narration as soon as i saw them win the award i'm like yo they are gonna be <coughs> p- 
Pixar or DreamWorks is going to hit him up for a movie. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Because that that short is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to give them props because, you know, they black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. However. Yes. Birds of Prey is also a great film. Okay. And we have news about it in the box office. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Considered a bomb. <coughs> Why do you think that is? Because I came to you with this already, and I was like, this fucking sucks, right? Mm. It's considered a bomb. It's making more money than something else that was considered... Yeah, Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, Ford v. Ferrari. It's making more than that, and that one was considered doing well, and this one's not considered doing well, which doesn't make any sense. And I was like, why do you think that is? And I'm like, is it just because um, people didn't really like Suicide Suicide. Yeah, Suicide. Su- <laughs> Suicide Squad that much. Um, they're kind of over the whole DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just didn't want to give it a chance. And then you told me no, and I didn't even think about it. No, I honestly think what, what's going against it is that the fact that it's rated R and it's a <coughs> female-led superhero film. Like, full-on female-led superhero film. Um, <coughs> I don't... I don't I, it got rave reviews. Um, we'll, we'll go into it when we, start, when we do our, our review of it. But uh, I wrote a review of it on screen geek and i gave it a great review i gave it like a b because there are some issues but we'll get into that later um i and people are like trying to say like oh get woke go broke you know the fucking like misogynist piece of shit people are just like this movie was doomed doomed from the start it was destined to fail and it made 33 million dollars over the weekend it actually dethroned uh bad boys for life um but I guess it's it's not doing gangbusters as they thought it would. Um, globally, it's made about eighty one million dollars. But for V Ferrari, which is in no way like, you know, a lot of people don't want to see four V Ferrari. It made like thirty three thirty three million dollars, and that was considered like a success. Yeah, and I believe that was rated R as well. Yeah. So this is like <laughs> this double double standard bullshit and everything. I like I like the movie. I oh, and they come to find out they're like. There are some, it's being reported that there are some uh, major ticketing sites that are changing the name to get more tickets, and they've, they're calling it Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. Uh-huh. So they're hoping to put the Harley Quinn name out front and people will go see it. I think people are just waiting to hear word of mouth <clears throat> and to like really check it out. Like, is it actually good or nah? Yeah. Well, there was one older black lady... That was looking for recommendations at mm-hmm. the cinema after I went to go see it. Oh, you recommended it to her? Yeah. She was like, oh, I already saw Bad Boys for Life three times. Oh, damn. I was like, well, yeah, Birds of Prey is good. She's like, okay. She probably, I think she went to go watch that one. Well, I mean, there you go. That's a, <coughs> that's a ticket right there for Birds of Prey. You're welcome. <laughs> um... La la la. As I think it's a uh, variety time. No? No, we're, we have to review the film first, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Sorry. Um, I was scrolled down too far. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Because our recent review is below variety time. Okay. So <laughs> let's go ahead and do uh, our recent review of Birds of Prey. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. (laughs) It's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. But it turns out that wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. He's after all of us. We can't just rob him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. What? You are so cool. You never. And you're dumb enough to be building a case against him. So unless we all want to die, very unpleasant death. We're going to have to work together. Sure. IMDb synopsis on the website says, After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from an evil crime lord. Directed by Kathy Yan, is best known for um, Dead Pigs. Mm. I never saw that one. Neither have I. And it's written by Christina Hodson. Um, she did The Flash, which is coming out next year. Bumblebee, which came out two years ago, and Unforgettable, which came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. It stars Mar- Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya, Mary Elizabeth Winsett as um, The Huntress, Journey Smollett-Bell as Black Canary, Ewan mcgregor is roman sionis i thought that's who that was for some reason he didn't look like himself who you and mcgregor yeah if there was like a split second where i was like that's Ewan mcgregor no probably not i'm probably wrong that's him he, he, he always looks like that <laughs> sometimes he'll wear a beard and sometimes he doesn't <laughs> that's you know the superman syndrome right there my god ella okay. j basco plays cassandra kane and Chris Messina plays Victor Sanz. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about this movie? I was pleasantly surprised. I actually thought you were going to hate it. I know. Because you have like this this boiling hatred for, for DC films. Because they all suck. You like Shazam? That's a very recently a good movie. You liked Aquaman, didn't you? Didn't watch it. Okay, you're not missing much. <laughs> yeah, because but, I heard a review and it was very, not very good. I, you are looking forward. <clears throat> sorry, you are looking. <clears throat> sorry, you are looking forward to um, the Wonder Woman though, 1984. Yeah. Okay. So, what did you think of Birds of Prey? Um, I thought it was clever. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. Um. All with that girl power. Yeah, like it wasn't. I didn't feel like it was really in your face, like people probably are expecting it to be. What do you mean by in your face? 
like uh like overselling the girl power thing uh, they, they didn't yeah. feel like they were shoving it down my throat mm-hmm. it just it felt like a superhero or like anti anti-hero basically mm-hmm. film that just so happened to be with females yeah um and they were like real female characters like they weren't just like idealized or really sexualized mm-hmm. Even oh, though yeah. some of them were sexy anyway, they can't help if they're good looking. But, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't, they weren't there to be eye candy, really. Yeah, like none of them wore a skirt, like at all. None of them did? None of them wore a skirt, nope. I didn't know They this. were either wearing shorts or pants. Like they were wearing actual reasonable clothes to get into a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it made complete sense. Um, I thought... The the villain. Mm. Ewan McGregor? Yeah. I, you know what? I He was a little annoying at sometimes because you're like, really, dude? Mm-hmm. Um, But it, it's not like outside the realm of something that would annoy you in real life, right? It wasn't because it was bad acting or bad writing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I just thought that. Sometimes villains are more emotional than they are intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was played really well. Oh, okay. Gotcha. What did you think of the Vic- Victor's Zaz character? That was this fucking psychopath guy who was cutting people's faces off. I thought he was a... Um, he was kind of a good addition into the equation because it kind of caused some issues for... Black Canary. Okay. Um, where And, you know, and she was trying to decide what path she really wanted to take and how she was going to go about it. Mm-hmm. And he was forcing her hand in a way. Yeah. Um, so I thought he was a really good, like, wrench in, wrench in her storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also he somehow added a bit of heart to the villain. Oh, to Hugh McGregor's... Mm-hmm. The- because he was his right hand man, and um, and how they connected was actually kind of special. Yeah, I I really like that dynamic between the two. Um, it's, they seemed like they were kind of like a married couple. Yeah, in a way. they almost seemed like they were like lovers. Yeah, I think uh, Hugh McGregor and, <coughs> and um, uh, the actor's name is escaping me right now. Chris Messina. Yeah, I think they said on during the premiere that they were pretty much like, yeah, they are like a gay couple. I really? Think that's, yeah, something like that. But it's, I mean, even, they don't like explicitly, explicitly say that, you know, like I love you and kiss or whatever thing like that. But it's just like they had like this perfect dynamic, and they had a bit of attention at some points too, mm-hmm. or like you felt like you were walking into a room, and in, into the middle of a conversation or a, a moment. Yeah. Where you don't necessarily see anything, like they're fully clothed, but you always feel like there's something right out of your reach. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, between that two. And um, I, I, I liked, I, I equated their relationship relationship to, like, they would always complete each other's synthesis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really great. Um, I, I, I would have to agree with the whole, like, the... I, I jokingly said girl power, but this it was, like, a very realistic kind of, like, relationship between the two, between the, the, the team. Mm-hmm. Like... I actually I like that that dynamic between Harley Quinn and Cassandra Kane mm. and how she was like kind of taking care of her 
Yeah. Um, it was almost like, you know, like when she got out of she got out of the relationship with the Joker, she needed to focus her attention on something else. And she actually saw someone that needed her help. Yeah. And she didn't want her to end up like she didn't want Cassandra Kane to end up like Harley Quinn. Like she didn't want to end up like fucked up or anything like that. Yeah. So that you got kind of like a vote of a big sister kind of thing. Right. Going on. I thought it was cool. Um, I got to give props to, uh, what's her name? Journey Smollett Bell. Mm-hmm. All right. So her acting was actually really, I really dug her acting. Um, especially like during the dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. She was actually really able to carry it. Um, like there's this really great scene where she starts like tearing up. Where like there's a woman who's being like humiliated. And you got a sense of like, damn, this girl's like having to watch this girl be humiliated in front of all these people. And it's very heartbreaking because she was crying. Like, you'd see a deer go down yeah. her face. But she knows she couldn't do anything. Because if she did, she, she would get both of them killed. Right. So that was that was an amazing scene. Um, I read somewhere that because um, she plays Black Canary, she's, she is a, sing, a singer for Roman uh, Sionis at the beginning. That that was actually like her singing voice. <laughs> But I was just like, yo, that girl's got some vocal cords on her. Yeah. And um, she got to be the most finest woman walking on this planet. My God. <laughs> I could not help but just stare at this woman. Yeah. Like. <sighs> they have a thing about people who have their hair done a certain way. Uh, where it's either shaved or braided on one side oh. and free on the other side. Yeah. Like, I love that. And it looks yeah. really good on her. And, like, she's not, like, I'm not, I'm. <sighs> and she wasn't, like, she wasn't over, she's the one I was talking about, where she's not over-sexualized at all. Oh, yeah. She's just wearing, you know, evening clothes for being a singer, or she's, you know, just dressed well. Mm. But she's not showing too much skin or anything, but she can't help how fucking beautiful she is. Yeah, and she's not, I'm not looking at her like, oh, I'm like, what's it called? Like drooling over her or anything like that. No, like that's, this woman's like, holy, like I want to paint this woman. Like she's yeah. like beauty walking. Um, I, I found out that she's in, um, she's going to be in the Jordan Peele Purdue show, uh, Lovecraft Nation. Uh-huh. And I saw a picture of her with like her natural curls. Whoa, holy shit. This black and black hair and wavy. Woo. God damn. <laughs> God damn. Um, I had a couple, I had a little bit of issue with some of the movie. Uh, some of the, uh, some of the direction was kind of bombastic in certain scenes, like in, uh, in a couple of action set pieces. Mm-hmm. I, I was almost like, wait, what's going on? Who's that? And where did they come from? And I'm, oh, okay. Then I had to remind myself, oh yeah, we're, we're fighting here right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a little bit of issue with that. <coughs> um, I didn't really notice too much of that. Mm. Um, I think Harley Quinn was distracting enough mm. that I wasn't too worried about where the plot was really going. Yeah. Because I was just kind of enjoying the heck out of her. Yeah, and the plot the plot is simple. And this, is, this was a film that like needed a simple plot. It didn't need anything too complex. And because it was... It's essentially a story of like... Of women trying to like have their voice, mm-hmm. you know they, you know, Roman Sionis is like this scumbag that's chasing after Harley Quinn and chasing after Cassandra Kane, and Harley Quinn is like trying to get out of the shadow of the Joker, um, 
and she does she wants to have her voice. This is a really great line. This, it's not a spoiler or anything, but this is a really great line where she says, um, it's in the trailer. She says, um, everybody shouldn't be afraid of the Joker. They should be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. Which is, just, you kind of think about it, you're like, yeah, Harley Quinn was doing like some serious heavy lifting. Yeah. And Joker took all the credit. So I got to give the movie props on that. Yeah. That just made me think of something that I have to wait for the spoiler section for. <laughs> okay. Um, what did you think real quick about um, Ella J. Basco, who played Cassandra Cain? Uh, she was all right. I think she was serviceable. Yeah. Um, and I found her annoying, too, right? Like, you're supposed to find her annoying because she's a, a bratty kid. Yeah. Um, I don't really feel like she grew as a character. I think she did a little bit. It's it's weird. Like, whenever it was just her, there wasn't a whole lot of time of uh, Ella J. Basco by herself. But whenever when she was with, you know, uh, Margot Robbie's character, like, it was perfect. Like, they were working well. But if she was by herself, you were just kind of like, I don't really care too much about this girl. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's one of my issues. Another issue is Mary Elizabeth Winston's uh, role in the movie. But oh, we got we to gotta yeah, go into yeah. spoilers into that one. Because I had a big issue with that. That's, like, the biggest issue for me, I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, let's get into the spoiler section. Actually, really want to delve into um, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay. Um, what were your issues with her? Okay, so I like the fact that they change um, some of the background story between with these characters. Um, they it does take a f- quite a few liberties with changing up what we know from the comics and what we see on the screen. Like for example, example. Cassandra Kane, her thing is like she doesn't speak at all. And she eventually becomes like the new Batgirl. Mm. Uh, she's like this trained assassin and stuff like that. But I didn't mind the fact that they didn't do that. <coughs> uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston's character, uh, Huntress, um, her backstory is pretty fucked up. Like she is from like this crime family. But when she was young, she was kidnapped and she was like repeatedly raped in front of like her brother, I think, or her, her parents. And that's how she becomes like this badass character. I like the fact that they didn't do that. They didn't were just like, because that's some like, yo, we don't need to see that. Like, we don't. I'm tired of seeing the shit like that. No, and just because it's rated R, mm, we don't need that. It's rated R just because of the violence. Like, I would legit yeah. take my kids to go see this. Yeah, yeah. I think I think my kid's mom actually took my daughter to go watch it. It is it's violent, but it's not grotesque violent. And the only thing that really maybe deserves a rated R is like they say fuck a lot. Yeah, they do a lot of swearing, but hello. Yeah, seriously. I'm sarcastic and I swear a lot. Yeah. So, um, so my biggest issue with her character is like she's kind of brought into the movie a little too late in the game. Like she's like she pops up here and there. <laughs> Like, More as like a mysterious, like, who the hell are you type of person. Yeah, which they make a joke about that, which I thought was pretty funny. They call her like the crossbow killer. Uh-huh. And I was just like, that's funny. They keep calling her that because she was using a crossbow. And she's like, I'm not the fucking crossbow killer, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when they actually like l- tell you that her connection with Sionis and Zaz and like this diamond or this MacGuffin 
um, it kind of feels like like all right, you're telling me that she's actually important, but I don't care. I have, like I haven't. It's because there's already so much going on with introducing Cassandra Kane, um, uh, Renee Montoya, uh, uh, Black Canary, Sionis uh, and Saz and everything. You've already got these characters like thrown in here. Mm-hmm. Like okay. But you throw her in there, it's just like, okay, you you should have threw her in there when you were just introducing all these people. And she wasn't that badass because they wanted to make her funny. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I don't know, looking at herself in front of the mirror and rehearsing how she's telling people who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was kind of poorly done. Because I know they did it for last, but I was just like, I didn't find it funny. <laughs> Right, so you want people to care about this character, but then you're making the audience laugh at, laugh at her. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes off as awkward and yeah. clunky, and broish, and not really badass at all. She like yeah. she does a couple parts come off as badass, but mostly she's almost like another MacGuffin herself. Yeah, there's this part I thought was actually really cool, um, where like they show her doing her first kill for in the movie. And how she like walks up to the she walks up to these mob guys and then like kicks the table and just starts like blasting them like right in front of them, and I was just like, "Yo, that's fucking that's some badass shit. That's like some straight up gangster shit. Mm. Just like blah blah, I want to kill you and like watch you die. Yeah, that was cool. But as the movie progresses, we're just kind of like, wait, now we're just laughing at her. Like, come on, like you built up like this badass character, and yeah, during the end, like during like the climactic battle, she does become like this badass. But I'm already kind of like. Yo, we just spent like like half hour just like laughing at her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Then uh, we've got Renee Montoya. Mm. We didn't really touch on her yet. Um, Rosie Perez pay- plays her. Yeah. I also felt like she kind of contributes to the story, mm. but she. Kind of, it feels like she's trying to find her way throughout the whole film. Yeah, I got that sense too. And her accent was too much. Well, you've you've never really seen Rosie Perez, have you? In anything? I don't think so. I've seen her in plenty of things. That that well, I is that her real accent? That's her real accent. She's she's like straight up from Brooklyn. Actually, her accent her accent is actually thicker than that. So that's actually a tamed accent we heard. I mean, I'm from Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but you like. That's why I think her accent's too much because even where I grew up, mm. and the accents are pretty thick, it wasn't like that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, her character is. I don't want to say it's not important because <laughs> her character does come into the comics as the question. Um, but she doesn't really add a whole lot to it. Like Yeah, she essentially is like, No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Harley Quinn because she's bad mm-hmm. and we can touch her now because she's not with the Joker. Yeah. And she has a change of heart because as Harley Quinn says, Oh, she got her badge taken away and normally that would concern me because they do their best work after they get their badge taken away. Yeah. But I had other stuff to worry about. Yeah, that actually was pretty funny. Yeah. So that wasn't too bad. Um I did like seeing Rosie Perez though in an action film. I haven't. I she, I know she does like little parts here and there, and like kind of like independent or like TV shows. Mm-hmm. But it was good to see her like in a big like superhero film. Yeah. Um, 
One other thing is that the synopsis mentions her as a superhero. And I would definitely not categorize her as that. Who, um, Renee Montoya? Or? Yeah, like she joins like a band of vigilantes. Yeah, none of them had... I, was, I saw this really great, this really funny video from Screen Rat. But yeah, none of them are superheroes. Except for like Black Canary for like a second. But in a way, it was just like, yo, Black Canary, why did you not use that power earlier? Or like, why did we like not establish that? She I didn't mean, want to be like her mother. Yeah, see, I, I, I get the whole, I get her history. I actually like the fact that this is not the Black Canary that we were, were you saying who's like white and blonde hair? We got like a different Black Canary. Mm-hmm. But I know that she has like this supersonic voice. But for people who's never read the comics, when if that popped up, they'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, we never established that at all. Right. Which is that, that comes off pretty clunky. Yeah, it did. Uh, oh, so the violence. Okay, so we said like the violence is not too much. What did you think about that, that Roman Siona's death? Because that caught me off guard. <laughs> <coughs> she clears her throat. Let me think about this. Hmm. <coughs> <laughs> she clears it again. Sorry. No, that time right. I swallowed spit. <laughs> okay. Um, <coughs> no spit that time? No spit that time. Okay. Well, right, it was, right. it's, uh, you know, after effect of the first time I did it. Gross. <laughs> all right. All right. What would you think of that? I, I want to I get your opinion on that. <sighs> There's so much going on. I'm going to be honest and say I don't entirely remember how he died. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Because it all gets a little fuzzy towards the end. I th- and that that's what I think that's what the that's what I think um it's bombastic. Yeah, that's where I think Kathy Ann is kind of she's kind of losing it there. Um yeah, like at near the end like there's this standoff where Harley Quinn uh or Sionis has uh Cassandra Kane ho- Oh, hostage. is it the grenade? Yeah, and like I did think that part was funny where Cassandra Kane was like I have something to tell you, Harley. She's like, "What?" She goes, "I stole your ring." It's like what? And then she like pulls a ring, and right there you're like, holy shit! She's she put a grenade on him. So like Harley like uh, leg drops him over the side of the pier, and he explodes. Mm-hmm. But it was like in gory fashion. Like, oh yeah, he was here, no, like that. And I remember not only myself, the audience at my screening was like, whoa, what was that? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. He's not coming back. He's not going to be in the sequel. No. He's dead. I actually kind of like that. I oh, didn't, okay. I didn't think it was too much because, like, I think even though that he was over the side of the pier, I think they barely got him off the edge, so mm. stuff was still kind of raining down on them. Mm. But you couldn't tell if it was parts or just debris, and I think it was it mostly came off as debris. Look like parts to me. Yeah. Look like blood splatter on him and shit. <laughs> That was kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? I, I, I liked it. I, I Okay, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it caught me off guard. But at the same time, I'm, I was just, yo, this is a DC film. I completely forgot. <laughs> Holy shit. I forgot this is a DC film. Yeah, they do shit like that. Yeah, I mean, look at fucking Batman That's what their Superman. comics are known for. Well, not their movies, but their comics, right? Where they they like make fun of murder, or make fun of violence, or whatever. So it's 
Yeah, like, the Batman ones. Yeah, they get pretty dark. That, that's what I mean. The yeah. and this is like in that vein because it's the same world. Yeah, they get pretty dark. So like it's like oh that guy got blown up, but hey, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh okay. So this is the part I, that was really bothering me so much. The action set piece near the end where there are f- where the birds of prey they've now formed together and they are fighting waves and waves of goons with literally they're wearing a mask mm-hmm. that part I, I got lost because the camera was just going all over the place yeah there were too many cutaways and i there could have been like a, a couple white shots to really help establish well, first what the they're going like on. inside of this there's like a rotating floor yeah so that doesn't help because not only do you not really know where the camera is at any given moment yeah but the floor changes where the characters are too yeah absolutely and i get why they were doing it because it's it's a it's an establishment in the comics and i get that's why they were doing it but visual wise it was just really disorienting yeah so that was like that 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 mary uh what's her name Mary Elizabeth Winston. Those are like my really my two biggest gripes with the film. Other than that, I mean, I was laughing. Um, I really liked the message of like independence and then like su- like surviving a traumatic relationship. And the fact that you know a woman just really wants to eat her fucking breakfast sandwich. Oh, that breakfast sandwich looks so fucking good. <laughs> and, <I> would- <laughs> and her expired cheese. Oh yeah, she's like she she says something like the secret is the expired cheese that's like three weeks old or something like that. Yeah. I was like, ew, but that sounds so delicious. <laughs> um I'm kinda sad I haven't seen Margot Robbie play this particular character that before one. this. Yeah, you've never saw Suicide Squad? No. That movie's trash. Is it worth seeing just for her or kind of not really and just be happy I saw this one? Okay, I would say it's worth seeing because of her and Will Smith's dynamic. It's really great. But there is a movie that they did together that came out maybe like a year or two before Birds of I mean, before Birds of Prey, before Suicide Squad. And it's called, um, it's a movie about being a con artist. And it's called... Let me find it real quick. Suicide Squad. No, that's not it. It's called Focus. Mm-hmm. That is a really good film. If you want to... I would say it's good to see just... I would say it's good to see the, the <coughs> dynamic between those two, but watch Focus instead. Mm. And you'll get an idea of like Margot Robbie's... Like, her acting chops. Okay. Um, Suicide Squad would just frustrate the fuck out of you. Probably it would, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> There, there's that one girl that I don't think you like that girl. She's in that movie. She has like those really bushy eyebrows. Um, Cara Levine or De Levine? Is it De Levine? I think it is De Levine. She played uh, she played the villain, unfortunately, in that movie. Didn't she did that weird CGI like Avatar esque type movie a couple years ago that bombed, right? Yeah, the the Luc Besson movie. Um, the one that I really wanted to see and then was disappointed that it fucking sucked. So I never saw it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't find her fucking name anywhere. Yeah, I can't find her name anywhere. Um, yeah, that's a bad movie. Oh, no. Kara. Yeah. Kel, what do you say? Kara. De Levine. That's her name. I have a crush on her. Yeah. She's hot. <sighs> She's really bad in that movie. But that movie's just 
poorly directed. It's set. What's it called? Valerian. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. Valerian. I started to watch that movie. I think I was like maybe 20 minutes into it. And I was like, I'll watch it another time. I just never got back to it. <coughs> Which is, you know, your usual thing. That doesn't always mean a whole lot, though, because you did that too. This is us. I don't feel like crying. I'm sorry, but I go to movies and watch things with you and then I die. I don't think it's that extreme. I think it is. Okay. Queen and Slim was a really good example of that. Yeah, but that was to enlighten you. I don't the, need to right. be enlightened. <laughs> yeah, you do. No. Okay. I'm already enlightened. Well, Why you, do you think I cried so much? Well, stop crying and just be enlightened. It's <laughs> joking. All right. So what's what's your take on Suicide, suicide Squad? My God. <laughs> what's your take on, on Birds of Prey? Uh, you, you liked it? You liked it, right? I loved it. You loved it? Once my kids stop fucking up, I'm going to take them to go see it. Wow. You actually loved a DC film. Wow. I know. I loved it. it like, I'm not discriminatory against DC just because they're DC. I should just show you the bad movies and just remind you why you hate DC. Which is like 85% of them. God. Which is being I don't know if I can generous. Even, I, don't, I really don't know if I can sit down and rewatch those movies. I saw a bad copy of Justice League. And I was like, don't need to rewatch this. I do not need a good quality. Fuck this movie. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, I take, loved it. That was great. Sucks. Kind of sucks that it's bombing at the box office. Um, I really can't wait to see the second Suicide Squad movie because James Gunn's behind it, and it's, it's James Gunn. That dude knows how to direct a film. Mm. So I really can't wait to see that movie. Um, Kathy Young actually worked with the team behind uh, the John Wick. Oh, really? Fighting. That makes sense because some of that some of that fight choreography it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Harley Quinn's Harley Quinn scene in the jail cell. Mm-hmm. I thought that scene was really well shot. Like when she was uh, when she was firing the 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 grenade launcher with the mm-hmm. confetti bags. Yeah, that shit was I I was just like in all that because it's too. like slow motion, like confetti powder and everything. It looked fucking great. But it's fun and it's chaos at the same time. Exactly, like it's pretty. But you still don't fucking want to be there if you're <laughs> yeah. a civilian caught in that. Like, yeah, absolutely. And that scene in the uh, with the biker thugs, um, and when she like snorts up the cocaine, and stuff yeah, like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's totally Harley Quinn. Yeah, and when she's a she's a psycho. Yeah, she's a psycho. She doesn't need cocaine though. <laughs> no, she doesn't need. She, she's probably just that's all in her blood. One thing. One thing I. I really did like that they they didn't hammer it in, but they they wanted to point it out was that Harley Quinn. I, I don't know. Like, people seem to keep forgetting. Some people are just like Harley Quinn's like a dumb blonde, even though she has like a PhD in psychology. <clears throat> and they were actually like using that a couple of times, where like she would actually say something that only a psychologist would say, mm-hmm. or she would actually give an, a really good analyze of somebody mm-hmm. and it was just like oh yeah she's a fuck she's a she has a phd in psychology that totally makes sense yeah so i like that they were just like yeah let's not forget she's actually really smart she's just yeah. kind of crazy exactly like i think people think uh being unintelligent is synonymous with crazy yeah that's not always true yeah um but yeah it's good that they didn't just write her as a dumb blonde like she found her way and how to be independent from Joker and mm. be protected, basically. So yeah, um, yeah, that's about it. 
You want to add anything else? Are we good? Uh oh! One of my favorite scenes. Mm. How um, how Cassandra Kane asked her how she could be like her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I she love goes that through the scene. List. She goes through the huge list. Uh. But step number one: get a PhD, fall in love with your you know your client, blah 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 blah, yeah. and then you fall into a vat of acid, and blah 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 blah. And she goes on and on and on, and she goes. Okay, step two. <laughs> <laughs> the show was nice. I like the fact she was like, step one, PhD. Yes. Education, very important. Yeah. Let's go ahead and establish that. <laughs> uh, yep, but that's it for that one. Um, and now we are going to move on to our variety time. So, um, Mark, what have you been watching lately that you want to tell everyone about? Well, uh, <laughs> if you didn't take the hint uh, with the Variety Time song, which is Star Trek The Next Generation, I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, all right. So growing up, always been a Star Wars fan. This is not a secret. You know, I love Star Wars. My daughter's middle name is Leia. But I never really. And we only call her basically Leia. Yeah. We call her by that name. Yeah, and um, I never really gave Star Trek that much of a chance. Uh, I've seen like a few of the old, the old Gene Roddenberry show with uh, William Shatner and Little Nemo, you know, Kurt and Spock and McCoy and O'Hara and everything like that. Um, and I actually have seen like two of the Star Trek: The Next Generation movies, uh, Star Trek: Generations and Star Trek: First Contact, I think it's called. Um, but I've never seen Insurrection, Insurrection, and I've seen some of Nemesis. But I don't know. I was <coughs> something about it that kind of attracted me to it. And I never watched Star Trek: The Next Generation. And then one day, it's on Netflix all season, all the seasons. And I was like, you know what? Let me watch this episode of Star Trek. Let me see what this shit's about. And I saw the first episode. It was like an hour and a half long, and this is without commercials, so it's an hour and a half long. I was like. All right, I think I can get into this. I think I can really get into it. I'm like four seasons into it now. <laughs> and I started maybe like, given like time that, you know, life and everything and the podcast. I'm on the fourth season. I'm on the fifth season. No, I'm on the fourth season. I just, I'm in the middle of the fourth season. And I started maybe about a month ago. So that's like 45 minute episodes. I'm watching maybe like two or three a day. <laughs> maybe two or three days. If I, it'll, I'll take like a maybe a week break or a few days break, but I'm normally watching two or three episodes a day. Mm-hmm. Yo, this is like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I get it. I get it. I get why people love Star Trek TNG. Mm. Absolutely get it. I love Picard. Um, if I would kind of like, like I, okay, I'm trying to like, I'm tr- my my mind is going like a thousand miles right now because I want to like geek the fuck out mm-hmm. like if I was if it was Star Wars. Um, <coughs> I my favorite character I'll just say off the top I like Data. I think Data is like my favorite character. Um, because something about because like how we we were trying to find out who this guy is right. Data I think like Worf is second, LaForge and then Picard and Riker. Maybe like Picard and Riker switch up. Really? Yeah. Um, I do like Deanna Troy, but I feel like they don't give her enough time. 
And I do like... I feel like she comes off a little bit stiff. Deanna Troy? Yeah, not her acting, but... Her character? Her character. I think that's... I, I think she has to be stiff like that because she's a Betazoid, and some Betazoids are kind of like that. I think she has to because she is not full of Betazoid. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. So she's kind of going back and forth. And so she probably has a tendency to feel too much, so she, maybe she has to hold back. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I do like... I do like Dr. Crusher... Um, Kelsey, you're like, you kind of watched some of it when you were growing up, right? <coughs> yeah, Kelsey's on a bad cough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, what did you, you said that you had kind of an issue with Dr. Christian, like she's a little too, too uh, goody two-shoes? Yeah. I thought she was a bit, like, everything's kind of by the book. Um, but that's what I got from her. Not, not like in a tattle. Tattletale kind, <coughs> Tattletale kind of way, yeah. She was just like, I don't know, like you didn't really get a lot of warm and fuzzy from her, mm-hmm. at least from a kid's standpoint. Yeah. Um, Worf, I don't know what it is about him. Mm. Um, as like a six or seven year old child, I, I think my only experience with black people at that point. It was a war? No. By that time, uh. was <coughs> one time, my family and I went to a lake, mm. and we were walking towards the lake, mm. and this black family was walking to the parking lot, Yeah, and I had never seen brown people before, mm-hmm. and I was like, Mom, why are they brown? And I got slapped across the face. That was it. Because I was curious, and I didn't know any better. Okay, how old were you? I don't know, five. Okay, that'd be funny if you were like, oh, I was 18. (laughs) (laughs) No. (coughs) But, Mm. watching Worf, even though he's like this big, imposing character, Mm. and he looks kind of weird because of his forehead and everything. Yeah. He really came off as like... I don't know, like, not maybe wise, but, like, you felt really safe with him. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Almost like a father. Okay. Um, That's how I felt about him growing up. I kind of see Worf as a... Out, out of the characters, I like I said, I, I said Data's my favorite, but I, he's my favorite because I just enjoy watching him interact and him kind of just asking questions but just being he's asking kind of learning yeah he's learning but he's like he's a super he's essentially a supercomputer mm-hmm. but he's still learning you know he's almost got this childlike mentality but i think the one i feel the most relatable <coughs> is wharf cuz wharf is even though the actor is black you know his plight as a klingon is very kind of like in my it's kind of in my wheelhouse as a kid who was who's like a mixture of different races. I'm not just black. I'm black and Spanish, part Irish and German, all this kind of stuff. But I've lived <laughs> in this household where like, I didn't know like who the fuck I was, you know? Like, yeah. you know, I would be like, you didn't feel as black as what? Maybe your mom or your brother. Yeah, exactly. My mom and brother, they're like, they're like straight up black. You know, my mom was like raising like Watts, you know, my, and my brother, you know, we lived in Linwood and everything. But if you, see them you're just like oh those are straight black but you see me you're kind of like oh he's like a mixture or something like that some people think you're what like from the middle east or yeah i've been mistaken for like middle east 
<laughs> someone thought it was Irish at one point. Um, well, all the you know the red hairs in your beard. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's turned white now. Uh, I get mixed up for Mexican a lot. Um, but Worf is like this Klingon who was raised by a human family, but he doesn't really know his Worf. He doesn't really know his Klingon <coughs> heritage. And as an adult, now he's like learning it, right? Right. So me growing up, I was like, yeah, I'm black, but like I'm not being really being accepted by the black community because I'm still kind of seen like as an outsider, mm. and I don't hold that against them at all. I, I just I just learned from it. <coughs> you know, my mom she's really too busy to really be like, yeah, this is where your people come from, this is what you need to know, and everything. Everything I learned was like either from friends or my brother or television or whatever. So I'm kind of getting like this mixed bag of like, you know, Furious Styles from Boys in the Hood <coughs> and Richie Valen from La Bamba or, I don't know, the Robinsons from fucking Lost in Space and shit like that. Yeah. But when I see like Worf and him kind of like dealing with that, I'm just like, yo, dude, I'm with you, man. I'm with you in mm. that struggle. So, as the as a, my viewing has been going on, I've just been really getting in just entranced with these stories. There are so many great stories of like, and so many hitter meanings. Like they talk about like death, like losing a child. Um, There's an episode I saw about ageism that was really dope. Uh-huh. An episode about like xenophobia that was really good. <clears throat> um, and it wasn't until like. Maybe like the second or third last episode of the third season, I was just like, yo, that's it. I'm a fucking Trekker. I'm I'm all into Star Trek now. Like, this is it. I absolutely love this. Um, oh, now I remember. Now I remember what got me on TNG. Um, I started watching Discovery. Star Trek oh, Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you liked that one. Yeah, I liked it. I, 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 I'm caught up. First season, first season, second season. I was like, well... That show Picard's coming out. <clears throat> let me let me watch a few episodes of Star Trek TNG and see what's it about so I can start watching Picard. And like I said, I ever since then, I'm just like, yo, TNG's my fucking bag. Mm. I fucking love that shit. I'm actually getting <laughs> kind of sad because I'm getting to the point where it's going to be ending soon. I'm going to be f- finishing the entire series. And I'm like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave these people. I'm yeah. like, I, I, I'll probably have to like, I'll probably end up like w- watching the, the live action movies. And then maybe like maybe jump into like either Deep Space Nine or Voyager because I I, I think you should it. do Deep Space Nine. That's the one with the the, <clears throat> the uh, female captain, right? Yeah, I heard she was badass. I like that one. I remember watching that one as a kid too. But I still have nightmares of the one guy who he would like <clears throat> he would liquefy or become invincible, right? Or, or yeah, invincible, he would right? liquefy because he has such deep set eyes, and the way they did his makeup. Yeah, it is pretty weird. Doesn't do him any justice like any favors yeah <clears throat> and even though he's part of their team mm. always felt really bad about him like really like there's something not right with this guy gotcha one thing i'm really curious about is um uh like i'm on the fourth <laughs> season and <clears throat> they have <clears throat> sorry they have this race the ferengi which are like the most annoying fucking people in the world but in not Voyage, no, in Voyager, they have a, like a Ferengi canid, uh, a Ferengi ensign. And I'm like, yo, how the Ferengi get in the fucking Starfleet? Like, what happened with that? Because they are just like assholes. Yeah, but so are the Klingons. Yeah, the Klingons were. 
Yo, I give the clan so much fucking respect. I know they're all about battle and stuff like that. But when like Worf talks about like what Klingons are into, like there was an episode where they were talking. Someone was asking. Uh, I think it was uh, what's his name, Wesley Crusher. He was asking Worf about like relationship uh, advice, and coming from a, a Klingon, you know, you're thinking like, oh, you know, <clears throat> you, you meet her on the battlefield, you fight, and that's when you make love, and blah blah blah. <laughs> no, he was just like Klingons. We love poetry. As soon as he said that, I was like, what? Oh man, I'm with you. Totally with you, man. So, um, <coughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll give you guys updates of like incredibly great episodes. I have to say, even though it's been since I was a child, since I've seen it, and I've forgotten so much about that show, but still have the impressions of the characters. Mm. I'll watch an episode here or there with you. <clears throat> yeah. And I don't ever feel like I'm coming into the middle of anything. Yeah. Like, they're only connected because you were on this journey with them, but mm. every episode has something from start to end Yeah, that is new to that episode, so you don't feel like you're lost. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's how television was written back in, like, in the 90s. They were, like, they were essentially like bottle episodes. <clears throat> this is like... The Adventure of the Week or The Monster of the Week or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like it's not boring. It's not, uh, I'm not lost. It's not like watching a soap opera. Like, mm. like I enjoy it whenever I catch one with you. Yeah. And I even, <laughs> I, I've even watched it. I've gotten to a point watching it where something happens. Like, I'll watch, most of the time I watch it by myself. But when I'm watching it, I'm just like, Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh, what's gonna happen next? And I'm just like, yo, like I, like I kind of wish there was like a viewing party so we could just mm-hmm. like shit chat within everything. No lie, um, my daughter has been noticing that I've, I've been watching it a lot. She doesn't know what Star Trek is or anything, but <coughs> as recently as last week, she wanted to watch an episode with me, and she was just like sitting, like laying down, just like watching it. Yeah. She was actually getting into it and everything, and she was like, "Daddy, what's this?" And I'm like explaining, like, well. This is this person. See, the reason why this is connected is because this, this, and this. I'm just going off on it. She watched maybe like a half hour into it because there's only so much. Because it's 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 cerebral. It's a lot of dialogue and stuff like that. And some of it she just doesn't c- compute. But this is the fact she she's taking time to actually start watching it. Uh. <clears throat> I'm hoping that's going to be like a regular thing now. Yeah, it would be nice. Cadence really doesn't care. No, oh, like really? I don't want to watch this with you, Mom. Um, can I play on my phone? The camera might want to watch it. Do I want her to watch it? <laughs> oh, that says a lot right there. She's not good to watch stuff with. Yeah. Like, I love her and everything, but she talks through everything. So Yeah, that's true. If it's good, no. If it's something that she really wants to watch mm. and I really want to watch, mm. I've told her before, I'll go watch it. Mm. And then if I feel like I have the money, then we'll both go see it. Yeah. And then you can annoy me all you want because I've already seen it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Until then, you know, whenever, whenever I'm over, you and I can watch it together. Yes. Awesome. So, yeah, that's my trip <laughs> on the uh, Starship Enterprise. Um, glad you made it back safely. I, yo, when those Romulans came in, woo, shit. <laughs> I thought we were in trouble. Uh, um, all right. Now, for our 
one of our favorite segments because they're all pretty nice. But uh, we are going to do our geriatric cinematic review of Set It Off. Before they start laying people off, they was paying folks $15 an hour at that place. Mm, that's good money. $15 an hour, I'll be old. What I got to do, sir? <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could just get out of here. Hey, Darnell, I didn't know you had an account here. We're going to have to let you go. The fact that you knew the perpetrator doesn't sit well with us. Do you know Lorenz and them got away with 20 grand? That's what we need to do. Rob a bank. That's stupid. Ain't nobody over here going to be robbing no bank. We going to end up dead anyways. Maybe that's the way to go. Firing off a nod. You're just taking away from the system that's doing us all anyway. What if something goes wrong? What if somebody gets hurt? Let's do it. All right, check it out. Y'all can roll with that right there. Well, we ain't robbing stagecoaches. I need something I can set it off with. I ain't feeling this, Frankie. This ain't right. Okay. They seem to know the inner workings of each bank. Their MO is in and out. Please do not be misled by the fact that these four bandits are female. Uh, the film follows four close friends in Los Angeles, California, who decide to plan and execute a bank robbery for different reasons, although all four want better for themselves and their families. Directed by F. Gary Gray, who is known for Friday, um, The Italian Job, and Straight Out of Compton. Oh, and The Fate of the Furious. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Written by Takashi Buford, who also wrote Booty Call, and Kate Lanyard, um, who wrote The Mod Squad and Glitter. Did you ever watch Glitter? That Mariah Carey movie? <coughs> nope. Okay, you didn't miss it much. It <laughs> uh, stars Jada Pinkett Smith as Stoney, Queen Latifah as Cleo, Vivica A. Fox as Frankie, Kimberly Elise as Tishan, um... John C. McGinley as Detective Strode and Blair Underwood as Keith. Blair Underwood's a guy's name? I always thought that was a girl. Blair Underwood? Yeah. No, that's... I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the actress, right? <clears throat> the actress, right? I thought there was a girl named Blair Underwood. No, her name is Blair... Oh, no, her name is Selma Blair. I think oh. it's Selma Blair. Oh, okay. Well, Blair is very a girl name. That's why I thought it was a girl. Mmm... Um. So, yes. What did you think about this film? Oh, man, it was so good fucking revisiting this movie. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. Um, I don't. Know, I think it was like a. I think it was a really good combination with our Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey movie. Um. All right, so. I, I don't know. I thought it was really good because it's like about it's about four black women who are essentially getting like fucked over, like repeatedly, and they're just like, no, no, I'm gonna go ahead and just like handle my business and then like rob banks and shit. Mm. And they prove like they can do it. Um, I like to think that somehow this movie is in the Point Break universe <laughs> because the guy who plays uh, Detective Strode, John C. McGingley, um, he's an FBI. He's the FBI agent at Point Break. Yeah. So I like to, I like to think this is like him on one of his bad days. <clears throat> yeah, and like he chose the wrong the wrong case. Yeah. Um 
So I, I was really digging on it. I the first like five <laughs> minutes is actually really fucking good. Like it is action packed as shit because the first five minutes it's uh, Vivica A. Fox is working at a bank. She's like a like what the bank manager? No, or? she's a teller. But I thought she was someone. Someone I, I know she's working as a teller at the time. But I thought she was somebody who like uh, was a bit of more authority. Well, I the think bank. they promoted her. Maybe she was like a lead teller. Or something. Okay, that, I don't. I mean, I don't know how banks work, but yeah, yeah. And like <clears throat> the bank gets robbed, but it gets robbed by like this guy that she knows, and like. The dude is like grabs his grabs like his you know he points his gun and he's like you know give me the money she's like no don't do this please don't do this pull and she he like pulls a hostage and like blows her brains out and it happens like this big like gun scene this big gunfight and I was just like holy shit this movie's fucking I was like totally into it yeah I can see where like uh, because before this you know F F uh, Gary Gray he did Friday which is like one of the one of the best comedies ever. Um, but he's never he never really did action before this. Mm-hmm. And when I see that, when I saw this, I'm like, yo, this is like <coughs> where like the Italian job come from. This is where um, the fate of the furious comes from and everything. I, like, I'm just like, yo, this dude's like straight up like he is an action director. Yeah. Now, he doesn't do anything amazing, but you can see the talent there. Yeah. You know, because action is kind of hard to shoot. Yeah. You have to, it has to make sense or it gets muddy. Yeah. It gets muddy. You kind of get lost. You're just yeah. like, who's who and everything. <clears throat> um. Some of the, there is a bit of overacting, but that's just like, that's 90s acting. That's 90s, yeah. That's straight up 90s acting. Like, there's a part where like, J.D. Pinkett Pinkett Smith's brother is shot by the cops. And like, she like, goes to the body, she holds him, she's like crying, she's on her knees and everything. And I saw that, I'm just like, yo, that's like, that scene, I'm like, yo, I've seen that in Boys in the Hood, Menace of Society. I'm thinking of like, all like the black, like real films like this. Where a black man die or a young black man dies, I'm just like, all right, that's the overacting that I'm used to seeing. Yeah. Um, and, and the fucked up thing is like, it's not far fetched because we still got that shit going on like now. No, one thing that actually hit me when he died mm-hmm. for that fucking champagne bottle. Yo, same fucking thing still happens today. Yeah, and I, I'm like, okay, so I know this is gonna sound stupid and white and mm-hmm. whatever. That's okay. We're on. You're on here to learn. That's the point. This is a learning podcast. I really don't know. I don't have black people in my life at all Mm. since, you know, I was 16. I worked with like one girl named Shaniqua. Mm. And And you're from, and originally you're from like the Midwest or more of the East Coast? East Coast. Yeah. And like Boston. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. Yeah. Um, in Boston, like in that area, it was all Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Um, but that was my first experience. She was really nice and everything, but they lived in the projects. Mm. And, you know, I learned some things. But um, other than that, like, I wasn't hearing a whole lot in the news. Like, things hadn't hit the news as bad as they do now. Mm. Um, so... When I saw that in the film, I was like, "Wait, are we? Are you making a statement?" <laughs> okay. Like, like in my in my mind was actually kind of blown because I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, nothing has changed. Yeah, nothing has changed. Like, and I, I and I was surprised because I was like, "Why wasn't? Why weren't we seeing the shit in the news when we when I was younger?" 
Like I really it was, wasn't. It was. I mean, uh, oh, it wasn't oh, as big of an issue as it is now. Well, no, it's it, that's the thing. It's it's always it's always been a big issue, especially over on the West Coast because it happened <clears> more <throat> often. And of course, you're not you on the East Coast is not getting much news of what's going on in L.A. Even though like. You're I mean, fu- we would get the riots. Well, yeah, that's but see, that's as far as you got. You never got the stuff leading up to it. It wasn't just like Rodney King getting his ass beat. It was like constant fucking like oppression from like the LAPD and the corruption of the LAPD. Or we department. would get oh, MS thirteen is in you know California. Oh, now all the white people on the East Coast don't want to go to California. Yeah, so like, I remember you told <laughs> like, me. I remember you told me something about your dad. Yeah, my dad actually was like, I don't want to go to LA because I don't want to die. And I'm like, Dad. Exactly, and like, and you go to LA often. Like we were we, just there today. Yeah, we spent like the whole day out in LA, just kind of like just doing shit and everything. And like, it seems like your your dad's idea of LA is like. Every freeway is a death sentence. Yeah. You know, every freeway exits a death sentence. But yeah, um, <coughs> like the the kid getting shot, uh, Stoney's brother getting shot. I mean, this is like a real thing. I mean, I mean, and if you didn't hear in the news, you surely you surely heard in the streets. Oh yeah, you know, fucking you know, like Delvon got shot like last week or something by the cops or. You know, he got, you know, so-and-so got, like, pinned up against the wall or some shit like that for just, like, looking at a cop a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that was, like, a common thing. So, so seeing this, I was just, like, just another day in L.A. That's just how this shit is, you know? I mean, like I said, sometimes it's a bit, it's a bit <coughs> over-exaggerated, but that's, like, that's the 90s. Mm. But it's fucked up, because, like, you see that, you see that back then, and you're just still seeing it now. And the fact that, like, the level of like how this movie depict, they didn't really even show the consequences that that cop had faced or those cops had to face for killing this kid. Mm. Now, you still see it, you and you still don't see the consequences. You see the trial, yeah, but the shots were justified or whatever. Like no, you see the consequences, and the consequences are there's usually none. Yeah, exactly. Or like, oh, he he's, he's oh, put on death. Oh, you got suspended with, with no pay. pay. Yeah. Or with pay for three months. Yeah, like... I, or whatever. You know, f- forgive me. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember. The, uh, kid who got shot with a... Who was just playing on the playground um, by the cops. Uh, what's that kid's name? Tamir Rice. No, Tamir... <laughs> Tamir Rice. Oh, yeah, okay. So, Tamir Rice... 12-year-old boy on the playground had a toy gun. Someone <clears> called <throat> the cops saying, like, I think there's a kid with a gun. Right? Mm. Can you go check? Cop gets out of the car. Three seconds. Boom. Shoots the kid. 12-year-old kid. Boom. Shoots him. Dead. Mm. Cop goes to trial. Guess what? Justified. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's kind of funny how, like, well, it's not funny. It's, it's sad, but it's just like, wow. Um, how in the movie in set it off this shit happens you still see it now it's still the same thing it's like we're just seeing it 20 years later i think what's interesting about this film is that they actually showed him with somewhat of a conscience the stoney's brother no the the cop oh the cop yeah okay first of all films that depict black people with struggle mm. these days usually don't show any kind of remorse in cops mm. 
I know some cops do have remorse and some don't. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> I kind of felt bad for him in the okay. movie. Um, yeah, because he actually, he was actually like, he felt bad. He's like, three of these fucking women are dead. Why am I going to go after the fourth one? I know she's going to die too. Yeah, seriously. Like, she, like, near the end, after all of them are, like, laid out, Jada Pinkett Smith is the last one who's on the bus to, like, Mexico. The cops, the detective sees her, and he just, he's just like, I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. I, I actually give the movie props for that. Yeah. Um, they didn't really try to give him, try to put him, um, John C. McGinley, as the white savior role. Which I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. But at least they showed that he's a little bit more remorseful. One thing that I really like, too, is um, the female detective. Mm. Um, her like last name is Joyce. <laughs> that's my that's my aunt-in-law's name. <laughs> um, first of all, she looks like Janelle Monet. Mm. <coughs> like, straight up. Um Ella Joyce as Detective Waller. Yeah. I like how they show how she's not accepted in the black community because she's a cop. They're always kind of like picking on her. Yeah. Or like, you know, she's like, you know, this whole time in the beginning after the bank was robbed originally. Mm. And... um Frankie mm. was like being interrogated and then they fire her. She'd been ramrod. It was so fucked up. Yeah. And then like this fucking cop, you know, Detective Waller mm. was sitting there with a cup of water. Yeah. And she's like, you didn't, she's like, you didn't even offer a sister uh, a fucking a gla- glass, glass of water. water. Yeah. As she walked out. Like, so it's kind of like. <coughs> She's denounced her her blackness by becoming a cop. Yeah. Or that's how the black community was seeing it. Mm-hmm. But then the cops were kind of like, you almost felt like they were like, you know what's going on because you're black. You get it. So yeah. like, you should have some insight into what these people are doing. Yeah, that's a, I did not like. I don't, and I didn't like the fact that like her hair was straight, and they they made it blonde and shit. I was yeah. like, yo, like the grassy blonde, yeah, not like, even cute blonde. Like, yo, come on, sister. Like, what the fuck you doing? I, like, I looked at her and I looked at Queen Latifah. I was like, yo, Queen Latifah, what's going on? But like that girl was just like, man, fuck that girl. <laughs> um, what is it, there? What did you think of the performance? Was there anybody that really stuck out for you? Um. You know what? Three of the four ladies stuck out for me in a good which, way. Which three? Uh, Jada Pickett Smith, Queen Latifah, and Vivica A. Fox. Mm-hmm. Did not like Kimberly Elise at all. I I can understand that. This is actually her. This was actually her first role. Yeah, but however, mm. I will say that maybe it's just how her character was written. Mm, yeah, I can see that because. And I don't know if this is just an impression that I have, but I've seen some very, very shy black women. Mm-hmm. Like, super fucking quiet and sweet and wouldn't hurt anybody and, like, kind of afraid of everything. Mm. Um, I actually went to basic training with one. Really? Yeah. Um, 
the only time she got mad was when I was trying to be nice and letting her know that other people were upset because, you know, like you're in training and everyone smells. Yeah. But she was kind of extra ripe. <laughs> and I was trying to be nice and telling her like, hey, everyone's making fun of you, but I'm trying to tell you so you can fix it. And she got mad at me. And I'm like, all right, you can fucking stick if you want to then. Fuck you. <laughs> That's funny. I think anybody should have said that. <laughs> huh? I think anybody should have said that. <laughs> should have said what? Like, yo, you stink. Yeah, anyone could have, and they didn't. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and make fun of you with these fucking assholes. Like, Yeah. Um, I did like... Um, I, I think the person that sticks out the most for me is... Maybe J.D. Pickett-Smith. I really liked her performance in it. Um, I did like the fact that the story, the story was focused on her. Um, I'm trying to think is there anything in particular that I like the parts where she got serious was really dope. Like that confrontation between her and Queen Latifah where uh, Queen Latifah had put a gun in her face mm. and was like, we're doing this robbery, you know, and she was just like, get that fun. I'm get that gun on my face. And then when she did, like she slapped the shit out of her mm. and I was just like, yo, and I, that part where like, where like she, Queen, not Queen Latifah, where, cause Queen Latifah has maybe like, five inches on Jada Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. maybe like 50 pounds on her or some shit like that. It was Jada Pinkett do Jada Pinkett's character do is that she grabs like a 40 ounce, uh, an empty 40 ounce <laughs> bottle and she's like, what? Like do something. And I saw that. I was like that instant flashbacks of growing up. I was like, yo, I remember seeing that hood ass shit going down. She acted that way in the movie. Mm-hmm. And all I could think about was, an interview she did with somebody, I don't know who, um, where she was talking about her and Tupac. Yeah, they were close. They were they were they were really dating. close and Tupac was actually like like a like thug and shit thuggish and shit. He, no, opposite. Mm. She was thuggish. She was a drug dealer. Yeah, she yeah, she was crazy. And he was clean. Yeah. And she got him into it. And she got herself out of it, mm. and he couldn't get away from it. Yeah, it's 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 also that death row record shook night kind of thing. He couldn't get out of that lifestyle. Yeah. Um. So I feel like she more or less drew from that mm-hmm. those experiences. Like, um. And then the other the other times, like when she was interacting with Keith and everything, um, she was overacting a bit like playing a little too extra coy or there were times where it felt like the conversation and this has more to do with the writing Mm -hmm. wasn't very um organic i would say it was like between between her and keith yeah like they're always talking about their background without without ever actually really talking about it yeah that's true i can get you i I can get that like like if you're gonna have a real conversation with somebody like me and you do sometimes um whenever we're talking about like black people and white people like we actually like we don't argue but we're honest yeah we're 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 having a discussion to actually learn something yeah and you don't get that from between them yeah i can see that and so she's like no like where i come from you know we don't have checking accounts Mm -hmm. um that's all you really get from her. Like, yeah. Okay. And, and he's like, Oh, I have all this stuff. 
what did he have to go through to get to it though like yeah, you don't get you. anything from them so it doesn't he doesn't feel like a good um part of the plot yeah i can yeah i would have to agree with that because um the strongest the strongest point the strongest part of this movie is the relationship between Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah, Vivica A. Fox, and Kim- Kimberly Elise. <coughs> is it Elise or Elsie? Kim- um, Elise. Elise. Kimberly Elise. The relationship between all four of them is actually really good. Really solid. Um, and they're so different too, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like Jada Pinkett Smith has a big heart. Mm. She could be like hood if she really needed to be. Yeah. Um, and then Vivica A. Fox was trying to make herself better mm. just because she didn't want to be hood, but kind of that's who she was. Yeah, deep down at the core. She was still a, yeah. Um, and then fucking Queen Latifah's character was just like big and rowdy and like mm. she didn't give a fuck who knew that she was gay and like she was like a dude. I l- but she was still fucking cute, though. I like that because that's like some realistic shit. Because yeah. I mean, back in the I, back in the nineties, if if you met a girl like that, you know, who's in the hood, who was like that, they didn't shy away the fact that they were a lesbian, you know. And then, like in a Hollywood film, they would try to cover that up or try to like not be so forthcoming with it. Mm-hmm. But like in this movie. Yo, she had a girl who was like fine as fuck. There's even like this part where like she's a Queen Latifah was on the hood of the car and the girl's giving her like a dance and everything. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking like, damn, they're gonna do some nasty shit. Like even when the other girls walk in, yeah, and they don't even stop what they're doing. Yeah. Um, um, and then of course there's um, Kimberly Elise who's like quiet, you know, mm-hmm. or she'll make a joke or whatever, but she's always like embarrassed to speak her mind. Yeah, yo, I thought. I completely forgot that she got blasted in this movie. I thought for some reason I kept thinking like, oh yeah, she makes it out, and like <laughs> Jay Pinkett Smith doesn't make it out because you want her to because she has a kid and yeah, the circumstances in which she lost her child were really fucked up. Yeah, that's some real life shit right there. That makes me think of that fucking lady who went to um, what was it social services? She had an appointment with her kid, and there was no place to sit. Mm-hmm. So she sat down on the floor. What? Was it real life? Yes. You didn't hear the story? I think this happened like last year. No, I did not hear the story. She sat down on the floor. They said, you cannot sit on the floor. She (laughs) said, there's nowhere else to sit. Mm. I've been here for a couple hours already with my son. I took the day off work to take care of this. And so I'm losing pay taking care of this stuff. And I don't have anywhere to sit. And I'm waiting too long. It's past my appointment time. Yeah. She's not being disrespectful. They detain her. What? They rip her fucking one-year-old child out of her arms. Uh-huh. And detain her. And then they go to court and it gets thrown out because they're like, no. Like, even we know this is way too much. Like, yeah. Y'all are fucking wrong. Yo, come the fuck on. <clears throat> like, was that really, was that necessary? Yeah, there's video. That's one that has a video. Shit ain't changed. Shit ain't fucking changed. Um, so that makes me think of that. Like, mm, okay. Um, and then of course too, you got the that really intimidating black lady who's in social services, mm. treating her like she ain't shit. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Anna Marie uh, Horse. So Horse Horseford, who played Ice Cube's mom in Friday, I completely forgot that was her. <laughs> yeah, I mean she was just kind of like she wasn't like completely disrespectful. Like you ain't. She shit. was rude to her though. Like yeah. not rude, rude, but like kind of like stern. Cold. Where yeah. you don't need to be like. Yeah, Basically, like give her a break. yeah, like you don't have you could be a little soft with her, but I think maybe in her line of work, one sometimes when you have authority over your own race of people, mm-hmm. they become lesser to you, even yeah. though you're not above them. Mm. And then also, um, in that particular line of work, I'm very sure that doesn't matter how nice or how not nice a person is, mm-hmm. they're always gonna beg or bargain or threaten you in a way and you have to be that same sternness with every single person so you can get in and get out and just be done yeah so one your feelings aren't hurt because you're human too Mm. and also you have other shit you need to do are you referring to the 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 social social worker worker. yeah but at the same time it's like you're kind of like I get like I get what you're saying about like they have to be like that, but sometimes you, they they just start losing themselves to the point where like they can't they can never come back. Yeah, they're just like constantly cold and stern, and, and like they carry that home. Right. Then they're wondering like the marriage fall apart, the kids don't love me. Well, because you can't shut that shit off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's like a whole like deeper conversation. Yeah. about that stuff. Um. So that part, one part that I just really. Ugh, was really fucking fucking with me was um when stony she was she was trying to get money for her for her brother to go to college like she had to get the money for the tuition and she slept with that nasty ass fucking dude um he was like a car dealership owner or something yeah you know she was just like She's just like, yeah, I need the money. You know, I need this money to help me out. This, this, and that, and everything. And he was like, well, I'll get you the money, but you know, you know, what, what, what are you gonna do for me? You know, and I was just like, oh, you nasty as nigga, man. Just, and then like this, just, <laughs> and then you're like, men are fucking trash. Yeah, they, you know, he's like on, t- like cut to, like he's on top of her. He's just like, oh, this is like the grossest fucking. What's this? What the fuck's this dude's name? Is it Charles <laughs> Robinson? Charles Robinson, that's who it is. Fucking Charles Robinson. He's just like going at it with her and she's just laying there like trying JD Pinkett Smith is like trying not to cry. And I remember this I think it was in the kitchen making myself something to eat. And I was like, yo, man is fucking trash. What the fuck? And that shit that shit sucks because like she came up, she finally got the money, and then come to find out like her brother like didn't get accepted in school. Yeah. So it was just like. So damn. she did it for nothing. Yeah, she even like ripped the check. She was like, "Fuck this shit." Yeah. And that part was just, yeah, we just like we just hammer it in. Like these women are just dealing with some bad shit. Well, it sucks too because, in that dynamic, you're also dealing with you know, this woman who's in charge of like taking care of her younger brother. Mm. She has a lot of responsibility, even though she's young. She should be out having fun herself. Yeah, trying to take care of herself. Yeah. Yeah. So he decides, nah, I don't want to go to college. I'm going to go hang out with these fucking gangster people. Yeah. And she's like worried about him, trying to take care of him and stuff. And it's hard because sometimes your family doesn't do the things that are right for them Mm. or for you. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Um, what did you, we, we haven't really touched upon it, but what did you think about the action? 
I thought the action was good. Mm. Like, they were legitimately scared when they needed to be. Mm. Um, they had a lot of confidence when they were going, you know, robbing the banks and stuff. Um, so it was pretty believable in those parts. Mm. Um, and then, of course, like, they were training to use their guns or whatever mm. um, beforehand. So it was like they already kind of knew what they were doing once they got started. Yeah. Um, yeah, these women, they, like, they did they, they weren't incompetent like when they came when it came to the bank heist mm-hmm. like like they they would like they cased a couple of joints to like understand like how it went like kind of went to rob and stuff like that i really dug that part where they were robbing i think the second bank and uh how queen latifah had to improvise uh she had that car in front of the bank and there was cops there mm. and how she went around the back to get that that suburban and like mm. crashed through the doors and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Cause that showed that like they can think on their feet if they Yeah, have to. yeah. That was really cool. I thought it was weird that no one chased after them at all, but Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There was a couple of things in there where I was like, okay, nobody like went after them. I think the cops did go after them for a second. Not in that scene. Yeah, probably not. They got away in that one. Yeah. Um but they're, they're, they're I, I like to, I, I would like to think about their arcs or kind of talk about their arcs. It's not really like apparent how their arcs are displayed throughout the film, but like, how, like for example, like Queen Latifah, she's like this badass girl who is not supposed to give a fuck about anybody, but like near the end where she wants Stony and Frankie to get out of the car because she knows like the cops are just chasing this car. If you can get out and make a run, I'll just I'll take it. I'll take all the heat and whatever which i thought that was like a great arc for her because it was like she shows that she cares about these these women yeah so that was pretty cool and how frankie kind of got like that that big fuck you to the detective Mm -hmm. because at the beginning he was like when there's a robbery what do you do what is the procedure you know just getting in her face about it Mm -hmm. and then at that point like near the end she puts that gun to his head and she's like if there's a gun in your head what do you do what do you what's the fucking procedure i was like Yo, she should just pull the trigger. And that's when he knew too that he fucked up. Yeah, that you is, see it ran all over his face. Yeah, it like started with it. It honestly, it all started with that. With those two. Yeah, it started with that too. Like if they didn't, maybe if, like the whole like they didn't gang up. If he didn't get like, get in her face and they didn't gain up on Vivica Fox character and got her fire, maybe they they would have been dead. Yeah. So I think he like realizes that too when mm. like he's trying to convince Frankie like not not to pull the gun out and not to run. He's really trying to like, oh, I fucked up. I need to do this. Mm. So that was pretty cool. Um, I kind of liked how, what's her name? How uh, Tishan, sorry, Tishan's character, how her arc, she's like, she becomes shy, but she's able, when she like shoots Luther, mm. that just shows like, oh, she's she's now out of her shell. She's now like this badass girl. I mean, she was completely badass, but I don't. I don't think you read that right. Oh, okay. She is so inexperienced mm-hmm. with confrontation mm-hmm. that she had no control over what was right and what was wrong in a situation where pressure was applied. Mm, okay. And she made a mistake. Okay, I can see that. <clears throat> so then they're all freaking out because they're like, "Hello, you just killed this fucking dude." Yeah. And um. Yeah, because yeah. at this point, they're like they hadn't killed anybody. Like, they hadn't killed anybody. Yeah, now they're like nobody was supposed to get hurt. Yeah, 
And, you know, like, it seems like she's been more of a liability for the group the mm. entire time. Yeah. Because she just couldn't, she couldn't handle herself. Okay, I can, I, can, I can see that. Yeah, like, sometimes the nicest person in your group is, like, just a nice person. You can't, some people try to force them into things, but you really shouldn't because it's not going to turn out the way you want it to. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... A little bit of insight on the movie. Uh, apparently, the movie was shot in 39 days, and the budget was under like nine million dollars. Wow, which is pretty impressive. A lot of a lot of Hollywood movies, nine million dollars is like the food budget. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> ridiculous. Um, one thing I did really like that they didn't do with the they didn't do with a tip what would be a typical Hollywood move is like make one of them a crack addict. Oh yeah, because crack is like was pretty. Was was really out there during the eighties and nineties, mm. um, and in the first draft that in the first draft Stony was going to be a crack uh, addicted to crack, but like they wrote that out, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Good, we don't we don't fucking need that." Yeah, <laughs> I need that at all. Um, Regina King auditioned for Frankie. Hmm. I feel like she would have been really good on this film she would have been good she's she's she worked with f gary gray on <clears throat> on friday she could have done the frankie role she could have however this film's already good the way it is so i can't say that i wish she wasn't it mm-hmm. even though i love her yeah she's a great actress um because it it was really good the way it was yeah so um i want to ask you who did who overall who did it best this uh was it Set it off, or Birds of Prey did the whole female liberation through violence? Mm. It's kind of a tough one, huh? It's tough, because there's a couple of factors, right? Like, who did better at getting away with it? Mm. Um, Who had the right motives? Yeah. Or, um, I don't know. Who did? Who could you even like better? Yeah, that's true. You know, um, I almost would say because it's not in our realm of possibilities, mm-hmm. it would be Birds of Prey. Because in Set It Off, you kind of wouldn't want anyone to come to the conclusion that um, the women in Set It Off did. Yeah. Hmm. Damn, who did it better? I kind of want to say Set It Off did it better. Um, because Set It Off... Okay, Birds of Prey kind of like did the message of like toxic masculinity and surviving trauma. I felt like... Set It Off was farther reaching because it dealt with race and culture and... Yeah, and then, like, police brutality and then, like, not only just that, but, like, the fact that, like, it's it's lightly touched on, but how, like, Stoney's brother, you know, had a possibility of going to college and he just like, I ain't gonna be nothing, so I ain't gonna go to college, which is, like, a fucked up thing that's really predominant in the black community, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that message of, like... Like, yo, if you don't get out, this is what's going to happen. You're better than this. And he was better than this. And he unjustly got shot. Well, there's no just for way to shoot anybody. But 
So I, I would probably say maybe maybe set it off did a little bit better. I just it kind the only thing that really bothers me bothers bothers me is like you know the only one to get out was not not only that it's just like I mean they killed they killed them all <laughs> I mean they killed like the three women I was just like I kind of didn't want any of them to die mm-hmm. you know I did like the fact how like Queen Latifah went out and held bullets she was like fuck this and just went at it and shit like yeah. that but that was that was so pretty sad. So I probably have to say maybe set it off did it better because it kind of not only did it cover toxic masculinity like how Stoney's with Stoney had to have sex with that that car dealer guy, mm-hmm. um, but it also covered like you can be hard but you can still fall in love like how she did with Keith mm-hmm. like I like that I actually did like that conversation that they had that small like one second like five second conversation they had over the phone where. She calls Keith and he's like, he knows it's her. And he says, without even like saying Stony or anything. Oh, well, I think he says like Stony, are you there or something like that? But he says, I'm glad you made it out or I'm glad you're safe. And she goes, I'm glad too. Thank you. And yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, cool. Like that's, that's a really, that's very few words, but it says a lot. I thought that was kind of interesting, actually. Okay. Uh, for how little their relationship really gave us mm. and he and how mu- how little relationship they even really had with each other she didn't know him well enough to know if he would help her oh yeah yeah and he didn't know her well enough to know what she was into mm. um so the fact that they closed the way they did was kind of like such a huge mi- like miss opportunity mm-hmm. not for the story but for them yeah for their relationship um like because you could tell that she was the one that got away yeah because he's so buttoned up and he needed somebody like her Mm. um and and she needed stability yeah someone to actually love her and not treat her like a piece of meat yeah yeah he didn't yeah that was good so yeah anything else you gotta add (laughs) Dang, I didn't even know I was going to get that deep with this oh, movie. Oh, you got in deep. Shit. You got in super deep with this one. That's good. That's good. This is the, that's the point of the podcast. We learn. Mm. We learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I definitely think that's it mm. for this one. Um, thank you to Lee Allen for the intro and outro. Um, he is part of the electric west which is a band and they have a website called the electric mm-hmm. um next week we are doing the photograph and boomerang i can't wait for you to watch boomerang yeah if martin lawrence is in it but i think you'll like it yeah i i haven't seen i'm not saying i don't like him i just haven't liked anything he's been in mm-hmm. um I get tired of the funny, annoying black guy shtick that Yo, I get tired some comedians have. I get tired of that, too. Yeah. I get tired of that, too. Um, and the connection for that one will be black, successful, and beautiful. Uh, I can't wait to watch the photograph. I honestly can't wait either. Like, I'm so happy with, um, I think it started with, was it 12 Years a Slave or Moonlight? Like, something kind of set the trajectory of let's make some more diverse films 
Yeah, not only that, like the fo- the photograph is essentially like a romantic movie that you would see like with white people, mm-hmm. but it's just like this is with black people. But like, I can't wait for it because. Like, if Beale Street Could Talk was a black story for, mm. for black people. Mm. And like you said, like, I can't wait to see this one because it's going to be relatable for anybody. doesn't matter who you are. Mm. It just happens to be with black people in it. Yeah, and it's like a love story. And it's like the whole, like, I don't know if I can love because, you know. My mother was bad at loving. Yeah, exactly. Like, like typical like, shit. That, yeah. That, like, everyone struggles with, am I too much like my mother? Am I too much like my father? Yeah, and it's not, like, displayed as much on the screen that's not corny or something like that. Or, yeah. So Or too depressing that you don't want to watch it. Ugh, yeah. But, yeah, I can't, wait. I can't wait to talk about that movie. So, yeah, we're going to do The Photograph in 1990s, 1992's Boomerang. Can't wait to watch that movie with you. That movie's so good. All right. So uh, that's going to be it for our show for this week. Uh, We want to bid you guys adieu. And uh, I will close this off with a quote from one very powerful, beautiful black woman, Cleo, who once said, climb out of that pussy, Luther. Oh, that was so white. Let me start over again. Woo! All right. I can't say it right. Okay. Climb out the pussy, Luther. Oh, that sounds so wrong. All right, take three. Ready? Go. All right. Climb out the... (laughs) Yo, climb out the pussy, Luther.